This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, the rain, let it go. So Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for November 8th, 2019. I am your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm being joined by Case Lowe. Case, how's it going, dude? Oh, well, I'm happy to be here. It's been a busy week, and I think both of our lives and it's busy been a busy week for Dragon Gate, so I'm excited that we have some time to discuss it here. Yeah, it's been a huge week for Dragon Gate. Of course, the fourth had Gate of Destiny, and then just three days later in Corkin was another big show, so... We're right in the middle of the hot season for Dragon Gate, and it's good to get another episode of this out here. So before we get into the shows themselves, just get our plugs out of the way. The Twitter account for the podcast is at OpenVoiceGate. Case's Twitter account is at underscore in your case. My Twitter account is at Fujiheya. We're members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You could subscribe to this podcast show by itself or the entire network feed for all the podcasts that come with voices of wrestling there is a donation feature on red circle if you go to the link that will be in the show notes and click it you have the opportunity to donate either once or as a monthly uh, donation and any donations would be greatly appreciated so case we are now deep into the hot season of Dragon Gate and just before we start breaking down the each show individually what what's your feeling of or what's your finger finger on the pulse of Dragon Gate right now like how do you feel like the company is doing as it's trying to close out 2019 I feel good about most of the state of the company there's a lot of things up and down the card that I really really enjoy I think as a champion through his first three months Ben K has done an excellent job of having great matches that a champion should have. I actually find it interesting for the longest time we talked about Ben K as a guy who projected this superstar uh, quality and charisma and had these superstar tendencies, but we weren't necessarily sure if he could go at the rate that most Dragon Gate wrestlers go. And we've seen during this title reign, he's had, uh, in my opinion now, two match of the year contenders. He's had a few really excellent matches, but I, I'm afraid at times he gets swallowed up by maybe other people on the car. Maybe he doesn't shine as bright as he possibly could. But overall, I like the direction of the company. There are some young guys that are really starting to elevate and are no longer just guys with potential. They are now guys on the roster that have meaning. Um, But of course, there's also some things I don't like, and I think we'll discuss that, uh, mainly the role of Ultimo Dragon in the 
company is maybe not abysmal, but it certainly makes me nervous. It certainly could teeter in that direction if left unchecked. But, you know, that's part of it. Yeah, it's an interesting time. I really kind of had a moment after watching Gated Destiny that for for the longest time, I know we've both talked about how we are, are at this era change that really the, the era started to change when Stronghearts left. But now you, you look up and down the company and with the exception of Strong Machine F and Strong Machine G, whose ages we don't know, of course, every, of course. every champion in this company is under the age of 30. And there's not very many promotions that can say that. And it's very exciting to see how this goes. But as you're saying, like the Ultimo stuff has kind of pulled focus away from people. And and in a lot of ways, it feels like that the promotion has very quickly been about what is the Ultimo Dragon storyline versus Benkei's ace push. Benkei now having defeated the three most successful Dreamgate champions that are currently in the company. Like, that's not being talked about because it's all about Ultimo Dragon. So we'll, we'll get more into that as we break down the shows by themselves. But I just wanted to kind of get a... Well, and real, and real quick to that point, mm-hmm. I do think a lot of that relates to the idea that Ben K's title defensive so title defenses so far have been more geared towards like respect and sportsmanship and maybe a little bit of one-upsmanship but he hasn't had a feud he hasn't really been built up in this way to where he needs to have this big title match we might see some of that with what comes at final game but i'm not entirely sure we will Ben K is just in an odd position where I like the th- the fact that they're kind of keeping him away from Red and that his first defenses weren't you know Shimizu Yoshida Sakamoto and that he's doing these unique things but he is lacking a certain level of drive or intensity that I think is not a reflection of him but a reflection of the booking. Yeah, like that's kind of what it boils down to because we've seen the personal charisma that he has. I mean, his microphone skills are never going to be a big thing but everything else about him is a complete package but he doesn't have the blood feud that like Shingo Takagi and BB Hulk had like there's that there is that aspect missing and I totally see where you're coming from with that yeah but at the same time I would rather have what they're doing now than like I said just running through the big RED guys and just calling it a day because that feels uninspired at least they're doing something interesting I just don't think it creates um a huge emotional response as much as it does, you know, a spreadsheet response, if that makes sense. No, totally. I, I see where you're coming from. And I think that also kind of plays a little bit into the fact of none of Binke's title defenses. I, I would say that there was always the chance that he was going to lose the title, but he wasn't going to lose Mochizuki. Uh, Yamato could have been one, but it was pretty clear how, where Yamato is right now that they weren't going to. And Yoshino was very clearly, oh, he's the hometown guy, and he's the most successful Dreamgate champion, and Benkei has to avenge his loss. So it feels like that there hasn't been high stakes, either from a blood feud side, or from a, oh, is he going to lose the title with these first three defenses? Yeah, I, I think the Yamato match was the one that was the most up in the air, and then Mochizuki was kind of a slam dunk, and then Yoshino was... I, I don't know, 80-20 Ben K, 70-30 Ben K maybe, but the Yamato one, given the fact that it was against Yamato and where it was in his lineage, 
uh, Benkei's lineage, rather. It, there was some doubt there as to whether or not he would retain, but he did. And since then, he's rolled through now. As I pointed out in my review over at VoicesWrestling.com, uh, he's beaten the two remaining four-time Open the Dreamgate champions and the one remaining three-time Open the Dreamgate champion to start his reign, which is not bad at all. Yeah, I mean, the last most successful champion would be probably Susumu with two title reigns, but those title reigns were really short ones. So, I mean, he's been clearing the deck, so to say. It's been interesting. Any other thoughts before we get into Gate of Destiny? No, do you want to start at the uh, at the opener? Do you want to discuss the main event real quick? Well, we're already talking about Benkei, so we might as well start there. But before we get into... Yeah, let's dive into that. Yeah, before, oh, no, we, go ahead. before we get into the main event, just the numbers and figures for this. This was from... Edeon Arena Osaka, this is the traditional Bodymaker 1. It was on the 4th, so that means it will remain up on the Dragon Gate Network as a VOD until the 11th. Our close friends of the show, Lenny Leonard and Larry Dallas, were on the English call. And the attendance for the show was 3120, listed as a sellout. It was down basically a handful 30 from last year. So it was basically status quo show. Dragon Gate, of course, doesn't lay doesn't set up the Edeon Arena Saka as much as New Japan does. So that's why they build this as a sellout, but this would be close to 60 to 70% filled if this was New Japan. But the main event was the Open the Dream Gate match as Benkei, as we said earlier, made his third defense, defeating Masato Yoshino in his hometown in 21 minutes and 45 seconds with the spear. In case, I, I think you are higher on this match than I am. So I'm just going to let you take the floor and take the lead with this. Yeah. There's a few things I want to touch on real quick. Um, since you mentioned it, I'll, I'll discuss the English commentary for just a second. I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, but uh, the English commentary was Lenny Litter and Larry Dallas. Larry, of course did color for Kobe world. Uh, Lenny was not available for that show. So Rich Bocini did the play by play. They brought in Lenny this time. Lenny was their first pick. As many of you know, he announced Dragon Gate USA throughout that their entirety. Um, he had called, you know, Shingo and, and Yoshida and a few other people in ring of honor. Uh, now a decade ago at this point, that's crazy to think, but those two did an excellent job. I, I had no doubt that they would. Uh, full disclosure, Mike and I once again provided notes for them for the show, but that's, you know, just full disclosure, just so everybody knows where we stand there. But, I, I thought they were excellent. It was interesting to me that on both this show and the Cork and Hall show that they covered, it felt very much like a Lenny Leonard broadcast that he was bringing his skills to the table to call a Dragon Gate show. Um, so when Lenny calls Evolve this week and next week and whatever the hell they're running, I don't know. But it's going to sound very similar, and the vibe is going to be uh, very similar to what was portrayed here. They call Dragon Gate like a shoot. They really take obviously their job seriously but they take the in-ring action very seriously and i really like that um i think the big difference is that bocini and larry when they were there for kobe world that was a broadcast designed specifically to cover that show and to have as much information about that card and that card only as possible now lenny and larry it seems like they're kind of settling into a semi full-time gig they will be at final gate as well and then the cork and hall that is after final gate this year so they're looked at as assets within the company the dragon gate crew seems to like them larry dallas is a lot of things but he cares about dragon gate and i for that respect him and lenny is a pro i mean i think lenny's the best announcer in the game he's someone that time and time again just doesn't really get the credit that i think he deserves because 
because he's a master at this and he's been calling pro wrestling at a high level for 15 years now. And I think it's great that he had this opportunity. Those two killed it. And I think they killed it the most in this main event match, Benkei and Masami Yoshino, which I, I love this because I thought last year when they wrestled at Gate of Destiny 2018, there was... It felt more like a Masato Yoshino open the Dreamgate match, and for as great as Yoshino is, I think his biggest knock has always been sort of lazy or mindless, unneeded grappling at the start of his bigger matches. Something that extends the match so they can say they had a 25-26 minute match when really they only needed 18 or 19 minutes. That's kind of always been a theme with Dreamgate matches, and I think Shima Yamato and Yoshino have been the biggest offenders of that. Here, they just got right to it, and I, I really liked the pace that this was worked at. It was a quick match. It felt like everything they did had meaning from the start, and then they go, go on this prolonged finishing stretch. I mean, it felt like six or seven minutes where everything they did was a big move that really registered with the crowd. Ben K, as crazy as it sounds, now has this like Zack Sabre Jr.-like kind of tendency where the match could end at any second because he's won with submissions, he's won with a headbutt, but now he's winning with a spear. He also has the Ben K bomb that he beat Pac with. So there's a lot of different ways that he can finish people off. And when these finishing stretches start to happen in Yoshino's hitting his big moves and Ben K's countering them, I now have to pay attention to each and every move because I never know if that counter or if that clothesline or if that headbutt is going to lead to the end of the match. So what they did to close this match out, I thought was just brilliant. And by the time things were all said and done, it was one of my favorite matches I've seen all year. I think the really interesting thing about Benkei and the matches with Benkei is that they structure this in a way because he does have that Zack Sabre Jr. quality that he finishes matches. But it's different than Zack Sabre Jr. because it's not like, oh, Zack can, can find a hole and then get you into the submission he wants or leave you open for the PK. It's more of like you have to contain Benkei because if you let Benkei go on a stretch, he will find ways to completely destroy you and immobilize you if it's either like headbutting uh, Masaki Mochizuki so hard that Benkei uh, might have broke his nose or had some sort of bleeding coming down from his nostrils to the fact that in this match, it really was that Yoshino tried to find ways to have his his match, the Yoshino match, where you go Torbellino into the uh, the Sol Naciente, like just like the standard things that like his go tos, but Benke kept on finding his ways out of it. Like the airplane spin out of the first Sol Naciente was one of the coolest and impressive things to see because in a promotion uh, that was incredible. Yeah, in a promotion like this, where the Sol Naciente is kind of treated like the big submission finisher in a lot of ways, the fact that he was like, oh, okay. You don't have me down on the ground yet. I have the leverage. I'm just going to pick you up and treat you like a hammer throw. And it was remarkable. I, I was a little bit more down on it than you, but that was also because of I really felt the Yoshino Dreamgate match tendencies up until this final eight minutes. I went four and a quarter stars. I still think it was a great match. It just was one of those things that the... Uh, as you said, the epic Dreamgate match kind of is the Yoshino trademark, and even though there were spurts of Benkei kind of interjecting himself, I kind of, it felt a little samey until that first Sol Naciente. But as soon as the full first Sol Naciente got locked in, that's when things really kicked off and went to about one of the highest gear single matches that they've had in a long time. I mean, I think the only 
match that was at a higher gear probably was the Pac KZ match at the farewell to Haka Starlane. So I thought this was excellent. It shows that that Benke is someone that they they even though he's champion and he's now the ace of the new generation, they give him steps along the way of like an extra checklist. And this was okay, can I do the championship side of a somewhat traditional Dreamgate match? And I think he every single one of these uh, checks check boxes for what do we need in an ace he has really checked them and if anything else has double checked them in a lot of different ways yeah for sure he's like i said he's in a very interesting spot where you know he ragdolls yoshino out of the soul naciente which is this protected finisher and he beats yoshino he's beat mochizuki he's beat yamato he's got naruki doi now coming up in december i'm assuming he beats Doi, I mean, I would be shocked unless the build drastically changes. I would be absolutely shocked if Ben K beats Doi, or I'm sorry, if Doi beats Ben K. But at some point, he has to show some sort of weakness, I would think. And I'm not really sure I know who is going to be the one to knock down Ben K a peg. And I wonder if this is one of those reigns where we don't see the end coming until it happens that someone catches Ben K by surprise I think that was part of the reason I was uh, like 60 40 on the Yamato match was well you know Yamato could catch him in a Frankensteiner and pin him and that could be it and I I just wonder the longer this reign goes who is going to be conceivably strong enough to beat him I don't think they're making him look too strong but it's something to think about that somebody eventually has to get on his level yeah, the uh, tile reign that that kind of reminds me of was Shingo's second most recent one, the one where he turned and formed Berserk, where you had that surprise win by Susumi Yokosuka at Champion Gate. So, like, that's the one that I almost look at as if someone's going to come out of nowhere. I mean, Shingo Takagi put down everyone of the first generation, then just completely just ran through everyone up until up until the the Susumu match, and when that happened, it was out of nowhere. So I totally see your logic there. I think I'm a little bit more weighted towards Doi in this upcoming match at Final Gate than you are, just because Doi has not won a title match now going back seven drinkies. So this has been a long time, and it seems like that if there's a window for one big Doi title reign before he kind of takes that step back when he turns 40... I mean, it's kind of now. So, like, that's the only, that's my only point of, you know, trepidation of just automatically saying that Ben K is going to walk into 2020 the Dreamgate champion. Yeah, it's certainly something that I'm going to be paying close attention to the build. And I hope that the other happenings of the card don't necessarily take away from it because, as crazy as it is, as crazy as it is to think, you know, the last time Doi held the Dreamgate championship was a decade ago. He lost the belt on March of 2010. So, we're looking at an entirely different company. I mean, Doi defended the belt against Taku Owasa and Koji Kanemoto and Magnitude Kishiwada. So the last time Doi was champion, we were with a completely different product, a completely different roster. And although Doi has been a pushed commodity for basically the entire time uh, he's been an active roster member this decade, he hasn't had those high-profile-level matches against now two generations of guys because you have your millennials and Shimizu and those sort of guys, but you also now have your Yoshiokas and your Benkeis and the rest of the Mochizuki Dojo. So I'm very intrigued by it. You have kind of talked me into 
giving Doi a fairer shake. I, I just need to see more of the build to figure out what happens. Yeah, and, and that was like one of the few things from Corkin that I felt like did a pretty good job of doing a build was in that Speed Muscle versus Binkei and uh, Shin Skywalker match because the fact of that Doi is the next challenger, so you already started to have the face-offs a month out. So it's going to be interesting to watch and see how this how this build to the final big event of the year will be. Before we start moving down the card, do you have any other last thoughts about this main event? No, I thought it was great. I think everybody should go watch it. Yeah, it was... I, I just like... But before we move on, I, I just like how... Ben K has been having different style matches each time, and this was no different. It makes me excited to see what kind of big style match he'll have with Doi. So it, it, it's a, it's worth going out of your way to check yeah, it out. Yeah, it should be a good time. Yeah, so the semi-main event for Gate of Destiny was the Open the Twin Gate Championship match as the Big E team of Ada and Big R Shimizu were successful in their third offense against the... I'm just going to call them the Torimon generation because they're kind of a unit, but they're not. But... It's a Torimon generation team of Ryo Saito and Yuzushi Kanda, and they got the win in 12 minutes and 29 seconds with Ada hitting a low blow on Saito and then locking in the inside cradle. I liked this, but it was not to the levels of the previous Big E defenses in my mind. Uh, what were your thoughts? No, I, I would be in the same boat as you. I do think that Yuzushi Kanda had a very very good week because this match and then the Cork and Hall main event were, I think, the best two performances we're going to get out of him. I really liked him here, and I really liked him in the Cork and match. It's weird that he's such a better babyface than he's a heel. As a heel, he's just dreadful. And here, I mean, I, I don't, don't ever want Kanda to hold a title. I mean, I, I'm not even interested in him in a triangle gate position, but he's very fine in this role. He's far less annoying here and Saito someone that I like in these doses I don't think we're ever going to get premium bridge dream gate level Saito again but here he's fine and you know it makes sense that you know he was in this match and then he can go back and do his comedy but I said in the preview that we did on voicesofwrestling.com you know it was a very high ceiling low floor type of match and then it just so happens that they somehow kind of found the middle ground which I I didn't think they were going to be able to do i kind of expected like four and a quarter stars or one and a quarter stars but it was actually just a very pleasantly average match which i mean as a compliment more than anything yeah like this was a match that was going to be a coin flip if it was going to be a disaster or great i somehow came in landing on the side i had three and three quarters on this which probably is my highest yuzushi kanda match since like he had a pretty okay triangle gate match when he, with the R.E.D. team. But yeah, Kanda, if anyone's like Mr. First Week of November right now, it might be Azushi Kanda because you wouldn't think that the original true Dragon System heel would be so much better as a face than a heel when he's in his 40s, but that was the case. And this was just kind of a fun, freewheeling R.E.D. match. Like, yeah, R.E.D. interfered some, but they, but they were able to get the crowd on it, and then they were able to have enough good spurts for the Torimon generation team and you know 13 minute title matches I'm okay with that especially considering who you have in this match like Ryo Saito is great at getting sympathy that's probably the best tool in his toolbox but when you have a team with him and Yuji Kanda who is not always 
reliable to hold up his end of the deal, it's smart to get in and out in 12 and a half minutes. And I thought that was pretty remarkable. And I think it was, it was a solid match. And, you know, this was not going, this was another one of those matches where there was really not too much doubt in the conclusion when we were doing our preview. So it, I, I really enjoyed it. Like this was kind of cool that how they did it, and it was cool how Yuzushi Kanda kind of was more like uh, Jimmy Kanda than anything, and I kind of appreciated that here. Yeah, that was great to see. I, I will say I'm very impressed with how confident Ata looks right now, and we've been burned by that in the past. I, you know, I would love to come on here and say, man, you know, Ata after he finishes up this reign, he's challenged for the Dream Gate. You know, he and Ben K should go toe to toe. Unfortunately, Ata and I just don't believe in that idea anymore, and I don't subscribe to that ideology. But this Twin Gate reign, he looks very at home. I think he's now proven, and this is not an insult. And some people, you know, I think would say this or take this as an insult, but coming from me, I really don't mean it as one. He, he is best suited for a tag team. That's, that is his ceiling, and in Dragon Gate, I think that's okay to where he's someone that I don't think is ever going to be at a dream gate level we've seen him time after time have brave gate matches some good some great some awful but where he constantly delivers is in the tag team scene and i hope that both he and dragon gate realize that because this Big E team was a lot of fun to watch yeah and with ada when you talk about like oh is this gonna be a launching pad for him to be like a heel ace it's just he's not had a dream gate challenge in his career yet and he's a about to turn 30 i think he's 28 right now so i mean he is someone that is in his wrestling prime but he's not been prepped up in the same way that shimizu shun skywalker and of course ben k has and there's a lot of ada that actually reminds me of not to the same level but has the same qualities as how great of a heel naruki doi was during mad blinking to berserk where he wasn't the guy in the union but he was the guy that, you know, he got on the microphone, the crowd would hate him on the microphone or would laugh at him just being ridiculous. And he's good in this kind of role. And then an RED team that's having to really shoulder the load of the promotion right now, he has excelled. And I think that's something that people don't give enough uh, respect for, enough credit for, for Ada, is that he's kind of, uh, yes, Ben K is the champion. He's being positioned as the ace. But Ada is the one who's having to do almost all the heavy lifting as of the last six months. And I think that that's something that should be re- reminded people of and something that should be recognized is that Ada has been the linchpin of this promotion for this year. And if you were to ask me this last year at this time, I would have just blown you off and said, like, yeah, okay, they just brought in Kazuma Sakamoto. How am I ever going to believe in this unit and this leader? But Ada's done a great job of it. And even after Pac has left, he's done a great job of it. Yeah, that was a big fear that we had was once Pac leaves, what is the unit going to look like? Is it going to crumble without this stable leader? But I'm saying has done a really good job. I'm really happy to see that. I, I will say that R.E.D., even with Hyo joining now and Hyo's role is, they're still kind of a weak heel unit. Hopefully the Red Demons, who, just so everyone knows, we have no idea who it is. People have asked us if we've known who it is. No clue. Don't expect T-Hawk and Lindemann. That would be a huge shock for everyone if that is the case. Just getting that out there before. Well, we... if, if T-Hawk and Lindemann, if, if T-Hawk and Lindemann are the demons, we'll do breaking news audio on it. I mean, it would be that big of a story. Yeah. So I, no. I wouldn't count on that. Right. Yeah, no, that would be 
probably the uh, second or the third biggest piece of news in the last three years of Dragon Gate if T-Hawk and Lindemann were the Red Demons. So, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, just uh, but but getting back to that point is this RED unit is pre- is not necessarily top-heavy now because Ada is not that character. You have Big Arshimizu who they're never going to real. I'm getting convinced that they don't really trust him with that kind of role, even though he can be like the heavy and he could be someone that gets title shots and maybe gets to open the Dream Gate reign, but he's not a heel leader. And then you have Hyo, who's too young, and then you have the Goon Squad. So <laughs> Ada's doing a lot of work for a unit. Getting back to my point, Ada's been having to take a lot of work for this unit, and he's and even in his matches, his heel charisma now is off the charts. Well, one thing I was thinking about, and I thought it really stuck out in the Corkin main event, was we are now in the fourth year of this red, black, and yellow heel theme. You know, they've gone through three names now, but the fact is it's really been one continuous unit. And I just, I'm not sick of it, but I'm ready for something new. I I do still wonder if the just simply going from Antios to RED but keeping everything else the same. I do wonder if that was the mistake because they had a chance to rebrand and do something different, but I mean there's now an entire generation of fans that just know the heel unit as this red black and yellow combination, which it's not to say that a real Hazard or a Blood Warriors or a Matt Blanky were that drastically different, but there was something different about them and we've now just seen this very confusing and almost sloppy lineage of one themed heel unit this entire time. And so now the brawling that was done either last month of the Twin Gate match or at Corrigan Hall this month in the Ultima match, I feel like it gets a little lost in the shuffle because we've seen so much of it. And this has now just become the de facto heel vibe in Dragon Gate, which is fine. They do a good job, but I'm starting to itch for a change and I feel that way about a few units, which we'll get uh, more into as we go kind of down the card here. But Ata is doing a good job, but I I do wonder if a f- fresh coat of paint and a little bit of a rebrand would do all of them better. And, you know, this was kind of similar to how the heel lineage was before Blood Warriors in a lot of ways. Because you had Deep Drunkers and you had Real Hazard who weren't knocking them dead. So maybe this is something that the new coat of paint and changes things could be a big sign of maybe the red demons do bring that kind of force of change that they need. So it'll be interesting because I definitely think that with how things are lining up that we might be getting a shakeup. I feel like we say that every three months though, because <laughs> we, because it's just been so the unit scene has been somewhat stale that it just seems like they have to do it sooner rather than later. And they're starting to do more of that as we go down the card. Do you have any other thoughts about the twin gate before we move on to the triangle gate? I do not. Let's talk about the triangle gate. Okay, the Triangle Gate match was the Strong Machine Army, J, F, and G alongside Shogun, K-Y, K-Y Wakamatsu going against the maximum team of Nuruki Doi, Dragon Kid, and Jason Lee. The reason that I give a very flat sigh is because Strong Machine Army made their third straight defense with the Maja Fuja Gatame Devil Windmill Suplex in 12 minutes and 8 seconds as J pinned Jason Lee. Probably one of my least favorite title matches among any division in Dragon Gate over the last few years. I just couldn't care. This is a team that they still feel like there's juice there when there's not. Jay only shows up for title matches. F and G go do whatever they do. 
and there's just no juice in what belt should be the one that kind of determines the strongest unit when the strong when your championship team only shows up when they need to because of the situation of strong machine j it's frustrating yeah they're in just a really strange spot and i don't know how it's going to improve because one of the things that the english commentary mentioned and it's a it's an odd sports reference but they compared them to the 2007 new england patriots who went undefeated uh and then lost in the super bowl to the giants that year and they're just saying you know it's it, you know, with each win it gets harder and harder to win and i did kind of wonder well, okay, let me think about this. How did the Patriots rebound after they went undefeated and then lost in the Super Bowl? Well, they had to totally rebuild because the first game of the next season, Tom Brady, I believe he tore his ACL, he got hurt and missed the rest of the season. And it just feels like this is one of those acts where as soon as they lose the triangle gate, something needs to change immediately. And I would hope, I mean, I I don't see any reason why Jay couldn't fit into another unit later on down the road and, and – and F and G just sort of start to disappear. But I'm not sure what to do with this unit now because in the beginning they were having these very exciting matches and Jay was still really fresh and new and I really enjoyed watching him. Now they're not, though. This match, I I mean, I didn't hate it, but I, I wasn't blown away by anything on it. And uh, that's just the reality of the situation is they're just these guys that have had the belts for a long time and I don't know where they go from here. And I'm not sure how much longer this act can survive because although they got a little bit better reaction here than they did at Kobe world, they are still not over in a realistic sense. And Jay definitely someone that I feel like could get plugged into the landscape. If there's no big unit shuffle, I could see him being a member of maximum. He kind of makes sense in that mold. Uh, if, if it seems like that Ben K and Shun Skywalker are going their separate ways, Jay could team with, with, a. Uh, Ben K in a unit like that's not completely a rational thought I, I don't see him dancing and I don't see him in camo but there's places for him it's just interesting to see what when they'll decide I don't want to say pull the ripcord but when they decide okay we're done with this rain because it, it, the, I know that the crowd's reacting well with this it's just one of those things that sad to say Jay's shoulder seems to be enough of an issue that you can't trust on him full time and you don't get to see him really progress when he's just doing the same kind of title match each time. And that's that's one of the reasons why I'm really frustrated with this reign. You know, Case, how much I love like wrestling prospects and seeing them develop and there just hasn't been the opportunity for Jay to develop because of his shoulder. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't think there's really much else to talk about this match, to be honest. Uh, it was kind of... No, 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 it was just, it was an okay match. But the... Uh, the last title match, or rather the first one on the card that is definitely worth getting into, is the Open the Brave Gate Championship match where Susumi Yokosuka failed in his fifth defense and Kaido Ishida became the 38th Open the, Open the Brave Gate champion in 17 minutes and 47 seconds. This was my personal match of the night. I loved every bit of it. It was great to see Osaka's hometown boy finally get the big win and the big moment of him surviving Susumu when no one else of his generation was able to. I love this match so much. I think that this was the exact kind of match that Susumu was building his reign towards. And I think it's a big thing, and I've said this on Twitter. The Bravegate division was functionally dead before Susumu was champion. But over the period of this year, he basically took it on his shoulders and has left this division which could be a focus for so many of the younger wrestlers 
in such a better place, and they found the perfect guy in Kaido Ishida to be the champion leading into this era. So I love this match case. What were your thoughts about it? Yeah, I actually think I was down a little bit from the consensus because I saw some match of the year talk for this match, which I loved it, but not to the extent of that. I actually thought the main event was a little better. But no, you nailed it. I mean, everything about this match worked, and it was a really good summarization of what has worked this entire calendar year in the company because it seems like from the rookie rankings tournament on, our favorite wrestlers have been Skywalker and Ishida and um, Yuchi until he got hurt. But it's been, you know, I think a lot of those paths have crossed through Susumu, who has taken, like you said, a very dead division. And something that I didn't even realize was as dire as it was until you mentioned it. And I went back and looked at the Bravegate lineage, and I was like, Jesus Christ, it's been a while since I've really enjoyed a Bravegate match, or at least a Bravegate run. And Susumu is... I mean, he's the man. I compared him in my review, not to make another sports comparison, but I compared him to Tim Duncan because there was no, I, you know, I wanted to say, you know, Reggie Miller or someone like that, but let's face it, you know, Tim Duncan won five championships. Susumu Yokozuka is a two-time Dreamgate champion and has held every title in the company. I mean, he, he knows what he's doing. He's a top of the mountain kind of guy. And, you know, Duncan was the same way. But anyways, the point is, uh, Susumu was just ridiculous in this match. I thought the for that he well, and Kaito Ishida is someone who, for a long time, I was very afraid was going to get lost in the shuffle because right when he started to find his footing as a youngster, he got hurt, and because he got hurt, Takahiro Yamamura got a huge shot to shine, and Yamamura became the big guy that everybody was talking about. Yamamura's career, unfortunately, has been plagued by very serious injuries, and now he might not wrestle again. But Kaido Ishida seems here to stay, and I really am excited to see what comes next. I have a a hunch that I know what his first offense is going to be, and if it is that match, I'm going to be incredibly excited. Okay, who who do you think he's going to defend against? Uh, given the results of this show and the Cork and Hall show, I'm starting to think that Dragon Daya is going to be his first offense, which if Dragon Daya, and we'll talk about it, but if he wrestles like he did at Cork and Hall, that is going to be a special match. Yeah, yeah, no, Dragon Daya. If uh, if Yazushi Kanda was the Brit was the surprise MVP of this week, Dragon Daya might be the most improved wrestler of this week. So we'll get into that. But yeah, Susumu Yokosuka had an incredible feud. I think the Tim Duncan of pro wrestling is a perfect appellation for him. And the thing about this match that I think that a lot of people don't give credit for Dragon Gate for, and they certainly don't give to younger wrestlers is Susumu Yokosuka spent the match dismantling Kaido Ishida's leg and Ishida sold it for 20 minutes and he sold it in a convincing fashion that he would shake it out do a kick and immediately go like oh I shouldn't have done that and sell and then not be able to get the pen immediately and it just built to a great climax of him finally like getting his leg back into into operating shape so he would be able to have the bridge and the tiger suplex hold like that's that that to me was like okay someone was able to get past the uh, the the Susumu barrage, whereas UT, whereas Jason Lee, whereas everyone who he's faced has done that. I mean, Susumu had the best Brave Gate match that Flamita's had in the last six years, which is wild to think. Like this was the this was a title reign to be proud of. Sadly, because of how wrestling is, how Dragon Gate is, people might not remember the Susumu Yokosuka title reign. But if anyone 
ever asks me, okay, I want to learn about a wrestler. I want to watch matches and kind of take something from it if I'm a wrestler myself. I'm going to give them a file that has every single Susumu Yokosuka Brave Gate title match during this reign because it was just incredible. And I don't think there's enough words I can use to put it over. So I love this match. I went four and a half. I don't think it was match of the year level contender. I think that the UT match was better in this reign, but it still was an incredible match and my personal match of the night. Yeah, I agree. So it's about time for us, Case, to talk about what's kind of the thing that's been sticking in our crawl in Dragon Gate over the last few months. And no better match kind of encapsulated this than the eight-man tag that was Torimon Generation versus R.E.D. as it went to a double countout with Ultimo Dragon, Ginky Horiguchi, Super Shisa, and Kaness versus Takashi Yoshida, Hyo, Diamante, and Kazuma Sakamoto. And boy, uh, this is... I, I'm just going to give you the floor because I know you ha- you've got a lot on your mind about Ultimo. So, Case, here you go. Well, I, you know, I, I think a lot of my anger i let loose in my review which like i said is at voices of wrestling.com I, I just as soon as ultimo continued to show up after kobe world and especially after gate of origin when they did the legends match and it was you know re, you know kind of floated out there hey you know ultimo join our company full-time be one of us i got very nervous at that prospect because there are a few different factors going into that. One, Ultimo Dragon, for you know, I just he he put Torimon in a very bad position in 2003, 2004, which is why this split happened in the first place. Booking financially um, didn't seem like a great locker room influence at the time. Ultimo was just not good for that company, which is why they split. And now. Of course, the Kobe match was brilliant. I mean, I've got a lot of different thoughts on this. Hopefully, I can articulate at least one of them well enough. The fact is, Ultimo Dragon at at Kobe Hall was brilliant, and it was a perfect match, and it was exactly what the run should have been. But I wanted that Greatest Hits album way more than I wanted this reunion tour. And I don't like the fact that, whether it's his fault or not, because the fact is, even at his old age and the fact that he can't hang with most Dragon wrestlers he's in all japan's junior division than he is in the dragon gate roster the fact is he still uh gives off this superstar aura that is hard to match no one comes across like a star quite like ultimo dragon i saw him in LaSalle, illinois two years ago at an aaw show and he came across like the biggest deal in the world it was awesome to see i'm so glad i got to see him in person but he does not necessarily belong on this roster, and he pulls focus from the rest of the main eventers, which really bothers me. And on top of that, we're now seeing his booking influence come into play, and it's not surfer character or becoming a kleptomaniac or some of the charming, fun things that made Toriyuman what it was. We're getting the things that I really don't like about Toriyuman i watch old footage back we're getting a ton of non-finishes and the uh and this was as of gate of destiny but in his 23 matches since returning to the company eight of them had ended in a no contest or a count out with the 24th match at cork and hall it was a fuck finish whatever it was technically a finish but it was still frustrating to watch 
On top of that, it's very clear that the Battle Royals that have been added back onto the card are a direct influence of Ultimo. Because for years and years and years, unless it was the Shima title reign, there were no Battle Royals making TV. All of a sudden, Ultimo comes back, and you've got Battle Royals making seemingly every taping. And look, there are some Battle Royals that are better than others, but it's still a little frustrating to watch. There's just a lot going wrong with Ultimo Dragon in this company, and I'm afraid that it's one of those that they're going to get in too deep and not realize it, and then one day, it's all of a sudden Ultimo Dragon presents Dragon Gate, and it's not the company that any of us want to watch. So, there's no immediate issues. I mean, I thought Ultimo was bad in this match. He refused to bump multiple times, and it was embarrassing to watch. I thought he ate Hayo alive when they were in the ring one-on-one, and that was embarrassing to watch. But there's no immediate sound-the-alarm concerns. There's just a lot of stuff that history tells us we should be concerned by, and I'm afraid that not enough people are learning from history. Yeah, and when it comes down to it, I know the emotional catharsis it was to, after how things were for the last about 12 months, and how uh, emotional the OWE Dragon Gate split was, to be able to say, like, okay... This all happened, but we got Ultimo back. We're on good pay. We're on a good page with Ultimo. He is going to be a, some some fashion of around. Like like he's doing more than just wrestle. Like I think that is fair to reveal. He ha- he has a position not I don't think on the board, but he is a director emeritus. I think is what's called. Case am I right in saying that? I believe that's correct. So like that is fine. But you, I just, like, look at these guys who lived through Toriumon and lived through the experience that led them to wanting to split with this man and just shoveling all, letting all of it, shoveling all these feelings out and letting them just still put up with this. And it has hampered the cards some. It has changed the depiction of cards a lot. And maybe right now it's a... It's like this, but as you're saying, he, I don't want to say it's insidious because Ultimo Dragon, I, other than like the how things shaped out of Dragon Gate, have not heard anything negative about the man. I want to make that clear. Like I, a lot of people who I've known who have met him have talked to him has called him nothing but a gentleman. But this relationship, no, this- all I hear from even even within the company, all I hear is how nice he is to everyone. Whether it be on the English side or the Japanese side, and how the entire locker room, young and old, have the utmost respect and appreciation for him, which is something that I specifically asked about was, do the young guys in this locker room care about Ultimo? And the answer I got back was, it's Ultimo Dragon, he's a legend, they think it's a privilege to be in the same locker room as him. Yeah, so it's just one of those things that, like, he has close and impeachable reputation, except for Dragon System. And... The fact that they're so willing to forget that, and I mean, he's—I'm certain he probably has good ideas. But when you just look at card makeups, compare the cards here to the cards earlier in 2019 and the cards in 2003, 2004, you will be shocked at the similarities you see. And it's not just the battle royals; it's the tons of matches that go five to seven minutes, squashes, and double ring, double countout ringouts. So, I—that all being said, this was kind of an okay match 
just getting back to the car it's an okay match like as Kay said ultimo didn't bump a lot he ate up hyo and hyo this was like his first big show as a heel and he actually on shows before this was being a pretty good heel like i like where where heel hyo is going to go i feel like it's going to be really interesting but this match just kind of encapsulated a lot of problems and a lot of potential problems for the promotion moving forward and i think that's fair to say yeah i mean I thought it was a bad match without the Ultimo stuff. I just I just wasn't a huge fan of it. But the Ultimo stuff made it much, much worse. And for that, I, I, I gave it a dud, which I don't believe I've done for a Dragon Gate match since the Shingo versus Gama title defense in 2015. Oh, which, that one. Which, if you remember, <laughs> Shingo, was having, Shingo was having literally the greatest matches of his career, the greatest matches ever. And then he had this defense against Gama that I was actually really excited for because I was kind of hoping it was going to be like an ECW arena inspired match. Like I, I had this weird vision of how great this match could be because of how sh- good Shingo was at the time. And then it was, it was just literally the worst thing I had ever seen. And this was kind of one of those things where I, I had a lot of pent up anger about Gama and he hurt. Shingo's reign which by proxy hurt me this time I had a lot of pent-up frustration about Ultimo and it kind of hurt Hayo which by proxy hurt me but that's all I have to say about the match I I have a game we could play going forward seeing that you brought up Gamma who takes more bumps in matches Ultimo Dragon or Gamma oh still Ultimo I mean Gamma I, I mean he just doesn't he doesn't that's not a part of his job. You, you, you can't knock Gamma over with a, with a full bucket of water. He just doesn't go down. But it's those are the two guys who take the least amount of bumps in Dragon System history. But yeah, it's just interesting. And if you're someone who's interested in how Hio has been as a heel, check out the shows after the Korkin. The ones on uh, the ones from Kobe on the 20th and Kyoto on the 12th. He is going to be a really interesting heel. So did this uh, don't use this as oh he's going to be an underwhelming heel like th- there's evidence that he gets being a heel and i'm excited to see where it goes yeah so, for sure no, i i think this is his calling in a match that somehow turned out to be kind of my calling because of how much i loved it the uh special tag match that ended up having so listen we knew who the four people were it was yamato keizi shun skywalker and Ma- misaki mochizuki after they made the entrances they pulled envelopes that said if you're in the red corner or in the blue corner and it ended up that we had a Tri-Vanguard reunion slash Dia Hearts reunion. No, no, Yamada wasn't Dia Hearts. Just just a Tri-Vanguard reunion versus the Mochizuki Dojo reunion as Yamato and KZ faced off against Shun Skywalker and Misaki Mochizuki. KZ got the pin on Shun Skywalker in 13 minutes and 28 seconds with the impact, something he doesn't usually get a win with that often. And this was just a really freewheeling match and maybe gives us a little bit of a possible feud that could happen between Tribe Vanguard and Mochizuki Dojo as uh, Yamato and uh, Masaki Mochizuki weren't having it. KZ wanted to be treated like a leader. It, this, if there's going to be some unit warfare, this could have been the start of it. And I thought this match was a great time. Case, what were your thoughts about it? Well, that's, that's funny because I came away from this going, I now want a natural vibes Tribe Vanguard feud that ends with one of the units that being Tribe Vanguard ending. Like I was, I was really into that idea, and the English commentary seemed to tease it a little bit. Now, whether that was just the fact that Yamato and KZ weren't getting along as partners, if they know something more, I don't know. 
But I, I came away from it. It was kind of one of those things where we talked about just the stale heel unit earlier. Tribe Vanguard's been around for basically the same amount of time and have been unspectacular throughout almost their entire existence. And although they found some stability now, and as weird as it is, this combination of Yamato and Hulk and Kai and Santa Maria have really worked for them, I also would not miss them if they broke up tomorrow. Um, as for the match... I still don't know why this was held under lottery rules, but I'm all for it. I actually really liked this gimmick. I really enjoyed the intrigue, and I thought this match was the second best match on the show. Other than the main event, to me, this is where the show peaked, was just, uh, it's another Masaki Mochizuki match that just ruled. And there's no other way to describe it. There's no way to speak poetically on it at this point. He's just on another level that historically throughout time very few wrestlers have ever been on and it's not just in dragon gate he's been doing this across japan i know there's interest by by wrestlers wanting to bring him in to their promotion in the west like people have to face the facts that one of the top five wrestlers in the world right now is about to turn 50 and wrestles like he's 24 and has been wrestling now for Longer than your life case and most of my life. So it's... Oh my god, completely. It's insane. And it's just the little things that Mochizuki did during this match that kind of put it over the edge. There was a moment where Shun did his rope walk, moonsault to the outside, and Misaki Mochizuki teased the plunge before going like, I don't want to. And then the look on Yamato's face when Mochizuki broke up a pen by kicking him in the back was one of the funniest things because you could tell that maybe Mochizuki put a little bit more mustard on that kick and Yamato was actually going like, oh, you motherfucker. But <laughs> that definitely, you, you, you didn't need subtitles and you didn't need to get inside of Yamato's mind to know that he was thinking, okay, this old fucker just kicked me square in the back. But this match just ruled. I loved it so much. And it's great to see the chemistry that still exists between KZ and Yamato when they were on the same page and then also of course there's gonna be chemistry between Shun Skywalker and Masaki Mochizuki they only have stopped teaming eight months ago not even eight months ago six months ago so this was a blast I loved it yeah real quick um I, I we've talked at length and I've tweeted about it numerous times about how I think Masaki Mochizuki is one of the 10 greatest wrestlers to ever live and if you disagree that's fine. I mean, it, I'm fine. And, you know, in a realistic sense, that's not the end of the world. But if you're interested in having that discussion, and even if you don't think Mochizuki is that good, that's one thing that certain people have seen certain Mochizuki matches this year. And wrestlers, uh, both in Japan and in, in the West, are starting to get on board with this idea that if you don't at least consider him for discussions like that, if you're someone that laughs off that notion, then you. You are the one that's lost, and I, I'm glad that people have picked the pace on that, quite frankly. Yeah, if you're not aboard the Mochi train, then you—the the, the train's already left the station. Like, it, it's undeniable at this point. You, He goes across, like, wrestling taste. He is someone that is doing something so unique, and even if you just want to take this year as an example, he's been doing great work across— across dragon gate he showed up in all japan he was in the n1 tournament like he's just been excellent everywhere and people i'm glad that people are waking up to the fact that we are watching someone uniquely special in misaki mochizuki absolutely all right so i i we could probably go on for like another hour about misaki mochizuki but 
the unless you have something else to add in the match, I think we should talk about the battle. No, I, I don't have that kind of time. I, we're, <laughs> let's move on to the battle royal. All right, so ten man battle royal had Kakatora, uh, Hollywood Soccer Chikawa, Sachi Hoko Boy, Punch Tomonaga, Problem Dragon, Oji Shiba, Dragon Daya, Jimmy, Ho Ho Loon, and the uh, the replacement. I don't know why he's a replacement. I guess. Uh, I guess Brother Yashi had a doctor's appointment he couldn't get out of, but it was Kenjiro Matsuyama, who, if you're familiar with him, it's from his Osaka Pro days, and he was a Torimon, a very late Torimon student. I believe he was in the, either an X or an UD06. I think it was UD06. But it ended up with the surprise of Dragon Dio getting the final fall in this match, winning the Battle Royal. 7 minutes, 37 seconds, with the modified Hurricane Rana on Kagatora. And I'll take my L here. Case, I know you've been waiting for me to do this for a long time, but Dragon Daya looked great. This was this week was Dragon Daya's best week ever, and this was just the start of it. I thought he was exceptional in this, and it's nice to see that even though he has been sick and had some injuries, that it hasn't just prohibited his development, and he's still growing as he's entering his second year as a wrestler. Do you want to talk about the Cork and Hall match with us as well? Because I don't think either of us have anything to say on the battle royal. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. The Cork and Hall match that happened on the seventh was the was probably the official second anniversary match. They didn't really name it, but it was Dragon Kid and Dragon Daya versus Yamato and Kagatora. Dragon Daya got the win with the uh, with a Hurricane Rana hold, and th- actually they're, they're calling it the uh, Torito Rana in 13 minutes and 45 seconds. So it's two straight televised direct falls on Kagatora. They are doing things with Dragon Daya. So Case, Dragon Daya is your boy. I'll let you take it from here. Well, I let's. I don't know if he's my boy, but I have just. I've always been someone that liked the base that he had. I I never knew if it was going to manifest itself into greatness or not, but I liked the tools that were there from his debut match, which happened to be at this point right now as we're recording 367 days ago, but a year. Um, I, I was very surprised to see him win the battle royal. It felt like it was just going to be a gimme opportunity for. Kagatora, but then for him to come into Cork and Hall, and it's him and Dragon Kid against Kagatora and Yamato, and you know, one thing that I found interesting throughout this year was they had separated Kid and Daya, and it seemed like they had purposefully not mentioned the mentorship that had been why Dragon Daya exists. I mean, they really haven't been together all that much this year when Daya has been healthy, but they team up here against Kagatora and Yamato, and Daya is on a Kikuchi level of taking a beating i mean he really gets brutalized by kagator and especially by yamato which lenny leonard and uh, larry dallas do a great job i actually thought that was their best performance at cork and hall was calling this match and dia at one point hits a springboard 450 on yamato and i think okay yamato kicks out this match is going to end when dia is close but not close enough and he eats a galleria and that's going to be the end of the match but the match keeps going and instead it's kagator who gets in the ring and dragon dia pins him and gets this giant win and i thought it was incredible it's the first time i've given a dragon dia match four stars i hope it's not the last i thought he was really really good and it was exciting to see that Gate now has another guy that they can possibly turn to for great matches yeah and it's something that as people of his generation have stepped up it's nice to see him take that step and being given the opportunity and someone like kagatora like let, let's be fair, he probably, this is his station for the remainder of his time at Dragon Gate, but he is a former Brave Gate champion. 
one of the best Twingate champions and has held a Triangle Gate. So this is these are notable wins for someone who's only a year into his career, and he's showing some fluidity and confidence that I have not seen before out of him. Like it's just something that you can see that I don't know if it's a switch that went on in his head or if he finally like everything that he's been learning has kind of just gestated and this is who he is but it's really remarkable what kind of week he had because he had the best moments in this battle royal and he was clearly the star of the tag match at Corkin, and it was really kind of nice to see yeah absolutely all right so the opener was tri vanguard kai hulk and maria versus okuda minonora and yoshioka of of mochizuki dojo minonora got the win with his flash pen the bevel gear on yosuke santa maria uh, this was fun. It was cool to see Minoru get a flash pin. Those were my main thoughts about this match. Yeah, I like that they gave the opener time. I thought everybody had a chance to kind of show their worth. I think this uh, this point about BB Hulk uh, both applies to this match and then the uh, the what was he in the third match of the Cork and Hall show. BB Hulk is moving moving around much better than he once was, which is really good to see. I don't think it's at a main event level, although I'm intrigued by that idea, quite honestly, because much like Doi, it's now been a very long time since Hulk was truly in the main event mix. Uh, but I just like that they gave it time. Uh, the Mochizuki Dojo kids are absolutely incredible. And this was a fun way to start the show. Yeah, it was top to, top to bottom. As soon as you get like the bad taste of the Ultimo tag out, this was a, another strong like pay-per-view for Dragon Gate. I mean... Really, all their big shows this year, with the exception of maybe Sendai, if you consider Sendai a big show, but I don't, have been unmitigated successes. And the only thing that kind of stinks was that it didn't really convert to the box office with the the slight slip in having Yoshino in the main event. But I loved Gated Destiny. I thought it was a great time, and it was kind of the beginning of this new era that we're now seeing in Dragon Gate, where the new generation, because the, we don't really have a, a name for this new generation. I've I guess Mochizuki Dojo generation might be the best way to call it just because a lot of them were lumped up in this, but this era now has fully started now that every championship is held by someone under the age of 30. So people that weren't alive when Misaki Mochizuki started wrestling, and some of them weren't alive when when Toriumon started. So it's kind of wild, and it was a great show. Do you have any other thoughts on Gate Destiny before we quickly go down this Corkin? Now let's talk about Corkin Hall. All right, so Corkin was on the 7th, as Case mentioned. This also had English commentary. It seems like if there's going to be a big show going forward that's going to have English commentary, and if there's a Corkin or just another taped show on Dragon Gate Network, they're going to stay for the next one if it's within the next few days. So that's really cool, and that's, a, I think, a good sign of confidence. If, it's, if it gets to a point where basically all the shows that have live production have English commentary i think that's a really big step forward for the network which you know has its qualms but i would argue that where lenny and larry are on their second and third show doing dragon gate commentary is a lot farther ahead than where new japan was with english commentary when they started yeah those two know the products and know that what they're doing matters and know that there's at least an audience that hypothetically wants out there i've been really happy with the work that they've done and they, they care. I mean, that's the great thing because, you know, let's face it. JR didn't care about new Japan. He didn't care about their growth and I'm not necessarily blaming him. JR is old and has money and, and whatever, but it's not like new Japan's USA growth mattered to him. 
I get the feeling that Larry Dallas really cares about Dragon Gate in America, and I think that's great that they found two guys, him and Lenny, who are total pros behind the booth and that do a really great job. And they did a great job on this Cork and Hall show, too. Yeah, so this Cork and Hall show was on the 7th. It'll be up until the 14th on the network. Again, attendance was basically the same as last month. It dropped about about 20. It's 1585 down from 1603. This had eight matches on the show and a lot of kind of just moving stuff forward. So it's going to be interesting to see how things go. Like this felt like a big main part, but it's going to be kind of exciting to see because there are some big moments overall with like the Mochizuki versus Hyo feud is still heating up. Like this was not the end point there. Daya and Kagatora seem to be going up somewhere. There's finally movement with Shun Skywalker, and of course the big match that's going to be happening on the December fourth Corkin. So this was a, in a lot of ways, I thought this would be like the big reveal, but it seems like they're holding off for like the last big Corkin before they do the, uh, before they do the the fan appreciation Corkin at the end of December. So, Case, what were your thoughts overall about this Corkin? Overall, I liked it. I should mention that um, as of this recording, I have not seen the Speed Muscle versus Ben K and Shun Skywalker match or the match that followed, which uh, was some combination of teams. Um, it looks like it was the Horiguchi Arai and Susumu versus R.E.D. match. Um, I literally just ran out of minutes in the day to watch them um, uh, before we started recording, but I saw the first half of the show, everything through the Dragon Dia match, and then the main event tag match. Um, my review of the show should be up on Voices of Wrestling Monday what is that, November 11th? Is that the, yeah, that November 11th. I would expect a review up by then where you can have my full thoughts. Um, I'll just give overall thoughts real quick, and then you could say whatever you need to say on this Quirk and show. Uh, I thought the opener was a lot of fun, although Ho-Ho Loon uh, is certainly not a good fit in Dragon Gate. Um, like I mentioned, BB Hulk looked great, or I guess great for his standards, good overall, and his six-man tag. Uh, the Hi-O versus Mo. Mochizuki match. Let's actually talk about this real quick. Yeah. What did you think of Hayo versus Mochizuki? I that this wasn't going to be a Mochizuki versus Shun Skywalker match. Like, well, going into this, I knew that it wouldn't be that just because you know, uh, Hyo now is a heel and he's been more than willing to get engaged in heelness, and there was a lot of bitterness there. So I thought this would be kind of a brawl, and it kind of ended up being a brawl. So it was. It was to my expectations, you know, six minutes for this match. It was a smart way of, if you're going to have eight matches on the show, this makes sense to be the no contest without it feeling cheap. So I, I walked away from this pretty satisfied, and I like the fact that if Hyo got tossed out near the Mochizuki Dojo kids, they all just beat the shit out of him. I thought that ruled. I thought that was a nice touch. So I came away from this match pretty happy. What were your thoughts about it? Yeah, I really liked it. There was a moment in this match in which... uh Mochizuki got tossed one of the MMA gloves that Okuda wears, and he put that glove on and then proceeded to punch Hayo in the face repeatedly, and the referee <laughs> stepped in, and I was, I was so afraid that the referee was going to call for a DQ there, and that would have bummed me out, but instead he let it keep going, that's when uh, the former Watanabe brought in a chair, uh, he started beating Mochizuki up with the chair until Mochizuki punched through the chair, which was another <laughs> crazy spot. Then they attacked the they attacked the referee there and called for the bell. So it ended up it was awesome. It was six minutes of like an extended angle that I really enjoyed because they let it go just long enough. Now I'm ready for a rematch. And as Mochizuki pointed out in this promo, he's got 
the entire dojo of kids that are also ready to kick his ass or Ohio's ass rather. So I, I'm I'm glad we're on the same page. There. I thought that was a ton of fun. Yeah, and maybe this could be something that we don't know what's going to be booked for this December Corkin or for stuff further down the card at Final Gate. Maybe whoever, if these uh, two red demons are people that are debuting, maybe it turns out be be. Hyo and the Red Demons versus the three Mochizuki Dojo kids. And I'm excited for that. This was just, it It really kind of was a prolonged angle because it was like, oh, Mochizuki was going to give this kid an ass whooping because of what he did. And it, it fit it fit everything. And it, I don't think Hyo lost anything in this. Like, I feel like that this kind of solidified who he is. He's a he's just a, a little dickhead as a heel, and it's great. And I just really enjoyed it. It was a whole lot of fun. Absolutely. All right. And then I, I, like I said, I had not seen Skywalker and Ben K or the Susumu match. Um, you want to talk about those real quick before we discuss the main event? Yeah. So the there was the rematch from the Gate of Origin show from Sendai with uh, Speed Muscle Doyoshi versus Ben K and Shun Skywalker. And I remember when we were talking about how we were underwhelmed by the match at G- Gate of Origin. Remember, like it was just like, oh, they definitely have a better match in them. Like, this just felt like they kind of held back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. This was yeah. the, the this might not have been, like, the ideal of what a Speed Muscle versus Ben and Shun match should be, but it was damn near close to it. It was, pardon me, it was 11 minutes and 27 seconds. Doi got the pin on Shun with the Bakatari sliding kick after the Torbolino of basically a full-out sprint for it. Like, there was no, like, grinding people down. Like, Yoshino wasn't, like, trying to get holds and slow Binkei down. Binkei wasn't trying to grind someone down. It just was pretty much go from the get. There was a really funny moment where they were setting up for a very early Skywalker moonsault and on Doi, and then Yoshino just ran in and shoved him off the top turnbuckle, and he took one of his stupid f- bumps completely to the floor. That was great. And then just like the entire finishing rush, you got a lot of the classic uh, Doi-Yoshi combinations. Like the, like the finish was the Torbellino into the Bakatari sliding kick. They did the whole okay drop down. One of them does the, one of them does the uh, bulldog. The other one comes running from the other side and hits a perpendicular sliding drop kick. It just was a lot of fun. I went four and a quarter on it. I still think there is a better match in them than this, but they do definitely have great chemistry. And after the match, basically, I I didn't catch the uh, translations for the promo, but I believe basically Ben and Shun decided okay we're tired of Shun always losing. And he's been losing so much lately, so they're going to have a special singles match at the next Corkin. So they're finally moving on and see what's going to happen with Shun Skywalker, which is exciting. And the uh, the trios match it should be a good time. Yeah, it should be a good time. Those two also have great chemistry, so I'm stoked for that. The trios match with Sumi Yokosuka, Kinki Horiguchi, and Arakan versus Yoshida, Kazma, and Diamante. Whatever you're thinking about about this match, and you see the result of Arakan getting the surprise schoolboy on Yoshida. That's what this match was. So there's really not much to talk about that. Like it was just decent. Like I can just, picture it then. Yeah. 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 They did some crowd brawling, which was good. Actually good crowd brawling, like taking out like an entire row of chairs to suplex Yoshida onto. That was neat. Like that was different, but it just was kind of like that. And the crowd kind of woke up when that happened. The crowd was kind of dead there, but really the rest of the card, just going through the results since we kind of been jumping around the opener was a 10-man tag. Gamma, Jason Lee, Kaido Shida, Problem Dragon, and Hiroshi Yamato versus Okuda, Yoshioka, Minonora, Hohulun, and Jimmy with Kaido Shida pinning Yoshioka in six minutes with a German suplex hold. 
Fuji and Saki Chikawa face off against Ryo Saito and Kness, and it was a Ryo Saito, Kness, <laughs> Shun Skywalker, not Shun Skywalker, Sakura Chikawa and, and Don Fuji comedy match. Uh, the next trios match was was Tribe Vanguard versus uh, Natural Vibes, so they really actually might be building something there with uh, KZ, Brother Yashi, and Tomonaga versus Hulk, Kai, and Maria. Hulk got the win on Tomonaga with the first flash. And that's pretty much the entire card except for this main event, which was Big E versus Konda and Dragon. And it was uh, it was a match. Like, the crowd was really into it. Like, don't get me wrong. I wasn't as much into it as the crowd was. The crowd was pretty electric here. But the, the finish was uh, Ada did a mask pull and got a flash pin on Ultimo Dragon in 7 minutes, 34 seconds. And that set up the second singles match at Corkin where it's Ada versus Ultimo Dragon, where Ada is not allowed to have any seconds at ringside. However, if he wins, Ultimo Dragon must leave Dragon Gate forever. So, Case, what were your thoughts on this main event? I, I really liked this match. Like I mentioned earlier, Kanda had a very good week, and I thought he was good here. And then Ultimo, I, I liked him in this match. I thought the way he worked was a little bit refreshing because it was different than the normal Ultimo we've been getting. Um, an okay match, not four stars or anything, but an okay match. And I'm just very curious to see what next month has in store for us. Yeah. Because an Ata versus Ultimo match with those stakes, reali- I mean, it, it should be a great match. It really should. But I just don't have faith in that at all. Yeah, like, ideally, if you're doing this in EWR or whatever game, you'd be like, okay, this is going to be like a Lucha like Maestro versus student match with Ada's history and his submissions background, and he might he'll be working heelish here. But I just don't know the stipulation because obviously, I hate that they kind of have tipped their hand that there's no way that Ultimo is losing this match. And at the same time, no seconds mean that the Red Demons aren't allowed to be there. So who knows what's going to come out of this? It's going to be weird. It's going to be really weird. I really, I mean, Ultimo's going to win, which you can look at as good and bad because. Should Ultimo be beating Ata in a singles match? No. But should Ata really be beating Ultimo in a singles match? Probably not. I hate to say they booked themselves in the corner because they don't have to book it. But given the circumstances that we have, yeah, Ultimo is going to win. And then I think we probably see the Masked Demons come out afterwards to stretch this to Final Gate. But I have no feel for how this match is going to turn out. Yeah, it seems like whatever tricks they've been using are out the window in this match and yeah this was like it was a long match it wasn't a great match but it was a fun match and that was something that i didn't think i'd be saying when I, this match was being made you know it just was a very uh, it, it was kind of surprising ultimo did a tope did a tope suicida tony shivoni's favorite move which was kind of funny <laughs> I, I thought i was gonna get a yes out of you like tony shivoni <laughs> i don't know if i can do a yes i can certainly give that a laugh though yeah but this was fun and you know this this was for a cork in the head that was a listed time of three hours this is not a hard watch it's probably as closer to two and a half hours when you cut out the intermission so it's a good watch uh lenny and larry were great on it and it's just been like they've been hitting the notes on the storylines it's just there's that one big looming specter we have that's going to be okay this ultimo match what's going to happen here so, did you have any other, like, overall thoughts about Corkin before I run down what's happening next for Dragon Gate? No, I do not. Okay, so we've talked about these matches a little bit, but 
basically the only stuff that we have coming up that's written down or has been signed is for the December 4th Corican. Of course, we have two single matches there. Binkei and Shun are facing off, and then Ada and Ultimate Dragon are facing off, again with the stipulation where Ada is not allowed to have any seconds at ringside. So no RED whatsoever. I assume that also means no Red Demons. But however, if he wins, Ultimate Dragon must leave Dragon Gate forever. And of course, we know the main event for Final Gate in Fukuoka on December 15th with English commentary. It will be Benkei making his fourth defense of the Dreamgate title against Narugi Doi. So the rest of the month, there is going to be a new Prime Zone coming up next week at this time. We're recording on the 8th. So I think that's the last, one of the last matches uh, Martin Kirby had and on on uh, uh, Prime Zone before he left. And Martin Kirby was great on that on Prime Zone whenever he's appeared. So that's worth checking out. Live shows on the network, they're going to be in Kobe on the 26th, and then they finish the month with their triple header, their biannual or the semi-annual triple header in Hokkaido from the 29th through the 1st. Those would be on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday the 1st in Sapporo, Susakino Mars Gym. And then they have a pretty packed uh, month in December. They go straight to that December 4th Corkin after that. Uh, Final Gate's on the 15th. The traditional... Kind of fan appreciation used to be called the fan appreciation showcase. I don't know when they've dropped it, but the fan appreciation Corkin is on December 18th. That will also have English commentary, and then they'll wrap up the year in Kyoto and Kobe Sambo Hall. So they've already said farewell and good night to Osaka for the year. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for the company going forward. There's nine more televised shows going on this year, and there's a lot of stuff they're going to try to get in before they go on break until I think it's actually into the third week of January next year. So we're, we're looking down the barrel at the end of the year, and it's it's exciting stuff. I mean, with the exception of what's going on with the Strong Machine Army, there's three compelling tag team champions. We have some unit stuff kind of shaking up. We have the prospects are all taking huge steps forwards. Masaki Mochizuki still has ability to, to, to make a claim on the most outstanding wrestler of the year, and... We're going to see how the year ends with Benkei as champion. Will he make it to 2020 as the Open the Dreamgate champion? Or will Naruki Doi snap his losing streak in Dreamgate matches? So I think it's all pretty compelling stuff, Case. What's your thoughts about the end of the year in Dragon Gate? Mike, I couldn't agree more. I'm really happy with, like I said at the start of the show, I'm really happy with most of the stuff going on. I have some fears that history tells me I should be afraid of. But other than that, I'm really happy with the product. I really like the progression of the young guys. We're seeing guys, like I said, are no longer just hot young prospects. They're now guys on the roster that matter. And I think that's really awesome to see because I don't really think you can say that about that many companies in wrestling today. I think more so in Japan than America you can say that about, but it's hard to pinpoint major elevation in a calendar year the way that Drangate does it. And I don't necessarily think they get enough credit for that, but you know they don't get enough credit for a lot of things they do. Overall, I'm really happy with the company. I like the direction things are going, and I'm glad that I could once again come on here and talk to you about those things. Yeah, this was a blast. We'll probably be back sometime in December, probably talking. If the big things happen at Corkin, we probably will come on immediately and talk about it. If it ends up being who we do not think it is, being the Red Demons, if it ends up being Linda and T-Hawk, we will make time to talk about it. But we'll have some more shows coming up for y'all for the rest of the year. Uh, before I before we go, do you have anything else you wanted to plug before we get out of here? 
No, uh, just uh, follow me on Twitter, at underscore in your case. I've noticed a lot of people have been following me lately. Uh, I really appreciate that, and I really enjoy when I get feedback on Dragon Gate stuff. I guess not feedback, but just when people talk to me about Dragon Gate stuff, I mean, that is the reason I still have a Twitter at this point, because I really enjoy that. Um, so thank you all for listening, uh, at underscore in your case on Twitter, and just continue to read what I do on voicesofwrestling.com. Yeah, we, we, we've had a lot of stuff up there. I, I've been having a, a pock piece gestating in my head for the last few weeks that I just need to find time to put the words on the page with that. I'm With everything here and then with everything elite, I just haven't had the time to do as much writing as I'd like. But we at Voices of Wrestling, I'd still argue that we have the best English-speaking content for Dragon Gate, and we've had some people come on and help out with previews and reviews, and that's been great as well. You can find me on Twitter at Fujiheya. Usually I'm either tweeting about Dragon Gate, AEW, or just random things about how the Miami Hurricanes football team is trying to kill me. So if you if you follow me on Twitter, be prepared for that. But you could also follow the Twitter account for Open the Voice Gate at Open Voice Gate. I usually try to retweet any big news that comes out from the Dragon System on that account. And then as always, we are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can subscribe to just Open the Voice Gate or the entire range of Voices of Wrestling podcasts if you wish on the podcast platform of your choice. Please, if you if your podcast platform has an opportunity to rate and review, please give us five stars and leave your thoughts. We greatly appreciate it. And with our current podcast provider, Red Circle, there's an opportunity to do donations. You just go to the link that will be in the show notes, and you can do a single-time or reoccurring donation, and anything would be greatly appreciated. But I think that'll do that for us this week, Case. Thanks again for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next time.